Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Erin McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. Well, it's been a year and a half since we caught up with brewer Ross Williams at Bad Shepherd Beer Company in Charleston, West Virginia, and I just thought it was time to get back with him. Right. So much has happened at Bad Shepherd since then. We've had the pandemic. They upped their commitment to canning. They've had some personnel changes, just a whole lot of stuff. So we have Ross Williams here with us now. Ross, welcome back to West Virginia Beer Roads. Thank you. Did you guys say it's been a year and a half? It's it's been a little over a year. A little over a year. Almost uh, almost a year and a half. It's a year I think. and a half. Yeah, it was January of. Uh, oh my 20, gosh! Wow. It has 2019. Been a year and a half. It does not seem like that long. Or 2020. I mean, January uh, 2020. It's a lot nicer to be here at your house than sitting in the green room with the lights off, <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we had to do. Remember that? Yes. That's what we had to do to find a quiet place yes. at the brewery. It was yeah. a little challenging at the brewery. Impossible, really, I guess, to find a quiet place at the brewery. Well, oh, anyway. Well, yeah. It's been an eventful year since we saw you last, though, or a year and a half. And I guess you guys have weathered the storm okay, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, seems like business is picking up, you know, things are uh, things are looking pretty decent, I think, for the future of beer in West Virginia, mm-hmm. craft beer. Now, did you guys close operations for a while last year, or we or did, did you, you? So you took some time off. Talk about how that affected things. Uh, yeah. So. Um, you know, the restaurant was closed. Um, you know, it it just seemed like absolute worst timing for everything, and I know that's like how the whole pandemic went. We had just been closed for a couple weeks to redo floors, and uh, you know, do some renovation at the brew pub there mm-hmm. and then uh, you know closed for uh for a good while for the pandemic i'm i'm having a hard time remembering exactly <laughs> how long no that's okay i just wondered do you how, do you think it had a negative impact on sales i mean being closed I assume oh it had well to. yeah absolutely um you know we still sold some beer mm-hmm. here and there uh during that period um but by and large you know we we were um not doing a whole lot in the brewery we did use up grain and uh fill up some tanks with lager you got some lagering time uh probably not necessarily by your own choice but uh not at all by our own choice but last year and and then again this year because it you know it's been a a over a year long effect mm-hmm. uh we were able to brew Oktoberfest in March, so yeah, perfect. Brew Martin. So, uh, with us now coming out of the pandemic, and you see in sales probably returning more toward a normal type of a level. What are some of the largest selling beers you guys have at Bad Shepherd, and what are the ones you can really rely on when you put them out there? They sell through. Uh, of course, loud. You know, the loud IPAs are the big seller. Um, Blackship. I'm brewing it tomorrow. Uh, I brewed it last week. I brewed it the week before that. <laughs> That's uh, a lot lots of loud. loud. But but other IP, other IPAs are doing well also. You know, I mean, um, I brought the Electric Petting Zoo, um, which we have in cans, but it it is selling like really well in kegs and on draft. Uh, and of course, our sour series, which we haven't. 
uh, canned any of yet. And we're going to get into that in a little but bit. But our Sour Holler series, we've done a couple other sour one-offs. Mm-hmm. And those are going really well. So that's your big sellers right now. IPAs and fruity sour beers are <laughs> the thing for summertime. Got it. Well, let's talk about some canning. I know you guys aren't in the habit of canning everything that you brew. Um, at least that's been your past or my past experience with you all. Do you have any plans to have more regular canning or any plans to upgrade your existing canning line? Well, it you know, it's a good question, and it's one that, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see kind of what the future brings because we were really interested in a small canning setup, uh, something a little more automated than what we have. And uh, then we started hearing rumors of a can shortage. Uh, and it's right. like, well, do you really want to invest this money in a in this new machinery that may then sit idle because you can't get the cans to feed it? So we've, we've held off on that. And so what we're doing at this point is just doing 15 or 20 cases at a time. And, uh, you know, myself and one other person can pull that off in a little, you know, about a half a day uh, in the brewery. So that gives us enough to keep our cooler at work full and um, get a few cases out here and there. But we're not real focused on it. Right, mm-hmm. for distribution. What about uh, switching gears a little bit? What about the ability to fill crawlers at the brewery? Is that something you have considered or are thinking about? Well, uh, we've we've thought about it. Um, you know, with the busy bar, uh, it's an attractive prospect. Um, of course, we do have glass. You know, we have our, our howlers and growlers. And I know that's not real trendy, but... Our staff is already really good at filling them. Right. There's a lot to be said for glass. And, uh, you know, I've I've gotten a crowler here and there that from different places where the, the seam wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that's true. And so it adds another layer of, you know, training. quality control, mm-hmm. training, and, and all of that. So, so that's, uh, you know, not to mention where would we keep the empties? It's storage space issue. Yeah, totally understand. But not off the table, maybe. You just Oh, I mean, not off the table. We we might do it one day, but I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> hold your breath. <laughs> not in the near future. We'll get a I think we'll get a real canning machine before we get a crowler machine, just because I think we're gonna stick with glass. Okay. All right, well that makes sense. Um talk about uh, retailers that are carrying bad shepherd cans. I know you said previously you, you can enough to get some out and a little bit into distribution. Who, who regularly carries your cans? I'm not sure there is a regular, you know, who regularly carries them, but Fruth and Drug Emporium. Definitely. I have, see them there, often, and I think that's, uh, whenever they're out for sale, I bet you they all pick them up, or both of those, all those Well, stores. yeah, they, they they get some here and there. Um, I'm really trying to, oh, I just dropped some off myself the other day. I did deliveries on Friday, and I took some to the wine shop. At the okay. Capitol Street Market. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that, don't quote me on that, except quote me on that. I think it's the first <laughs> time they've purchased cans from us. Oh, that's oh, good. I might well, be wrong great. about that. They they were just a, a draft customer because they fill growlers. Well, that was actually going to be the next question. As far as growler fillers, of course, you mentioned Drug Emporium and Fruth. So I guess 
capital be- the capital beverage markets one as well that will yes, do growlers for you. Is there anyone mm-hmm. that we haven't mentioned that has growler fills for with your beer? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I I know T and M Meats fills a lot of growlers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they do a lot of business out there, and and you know, they've all they have bought a lot of our beer over the years. Uh, I don't know how much of it goes into growlers and how much. Right, but no, but they have the ability to as absolutely. far as a grow, growler yeah, filler. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm not really sure about like growler filling stations outside of those places. Um, of course I know like Oscars fills growlers and crowlers, um, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few, um, bars anymore in our Charleston Huntington market anyway. That will. That do fill mm-hmm. growlers. They have mm-hmm. a growler license. Mm-hmm. I know there's a couple in Huntington, certainly Jeff McKay at Summit does and, mm-hmm. He carries some of your beers because I was down there recently drinking them. Mm-hmm. Same. Oh, yeah. yes. Jeff's yes. an old friend and, you know, a, certainly a friend of craft beer in West Virginia. Oh, and yes. Has, has been quite important regarding craft beer in West Virginia. Oh, yeah. I can't say enough about that. Ross Bad's Shepherd has had some personnel changes over the past six months or so. And I wonder if you could bring us up to date with those, especially those that affect the, the brewery operations. Oh, yeah. Um just excited to uh, excited to have um, some some good help in the brewery uh, these days. Uh, our longtime um, staff members Sean and Tyler, uh, who a lot of customers know from mm-hmm. being bartenders, uh, but those guys have done so many things around around Black Sheep and the brewery um, over the last several years. And uh, so they're both helping in the brewery, cleaning kegs, helping me fill kegs, um, you know, milling in grain, mashing out on brew day. And then, uh, and then Michael um, has been uh, working in the restaurant uh, as the prep cook, and he's also been helping in the brewery some and, you know, learning a lot about... Uh, about the brewing process and cellar work, um, you know, filling kegs uh, and packaging beers. So uh, multitasking, multitasking. Great to have some help like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and what's this up with or what's up with uh, Patrick Guthrie? I've seen him out here pushing kegs and bars mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, that's the owner of uh, Bad Shepherd, and he's been out. Delivering. Selling, delivering beer. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, I think uh, I think Patrick just wanted to work out. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good workout. Move, yeah, a bunch sure. of, <laughs> move a bunch of stainless steel around. You know, it. Uh, and when it's full, it's a better workout. Uh, no, I think I think um, he's enjoying being out there and meeting our customers, and really kind of, you know, getting some FaceTime in with them seeing what their needs are, seeing how he can how he can best accomplish getting the beer that we make to the people who want it. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge. He's oh, recently yeah. added Bluefield oh, oh, on the route. That's not that's, close. And that's it's a bit of a like hike. 90 miles <laughs> It's away. a hike, but, yeah. but there is a demand there. And, um, that's good. You know, he has the dedication to make sure he's going to actually make it down there and sell the beer. I mean, it's not that 
not that we weren't doing that before. Um, mm -hmm. Not that we didn't want to, but mm -hmm. it's hard to, uh, sometimes it's hard to fit it in when there's one keg or something. Oh, sure. I, um, not exactly on to, the way to other hard places. To justify it. So you try to make sure you can get like several accounts in, in one location before yeah. you want to expand there, right? Right. I, I mean, I'd say that's a challenge for all our small breweries. It's how do you balance out accounts mm -hmm. and territories that you want to service? Because once you start selling beer somewhere, they expect you to come back well, every sure. week. That's right. That's right. You can't just you can't just say, well, we're not going to sell beer in you know this and this town anymore. And you no. Know, well, let's talk specifically about the beer that you brew and. I'm going to reference the Sour Holler series, which has been a fun seasonal for Bad Shepherd for this year and something you've been building upon. Do you have plans for a similar series that you hope to build upon going forward in addition to the Sour Holler series? Well, so uh, maybe not another sour series quite like that. We are doing some right. other sour one-offs that are similar, but like... We're not anything. We're, anything that's a sour IPA is not in the sour holler series. Okay. Those are ghosts, and we're, you know, we're shooting for a four point four ABV on those, uh, using JQ Dickinson salt, and um, and you know the fresh uh, fruit puree. Uh, so the sour IPAs are going to be. You know, you're going to see some different ABVs on those, mm -hmm. um, you know, some different treatment. Uh, now, I am looking forward to trying a new IPA yeast. Um, not not replacing the yeast we use in House for the Loud and, uh, and like this electric petting zoo. Um, but a, a yeast we are going to try out just because we want to try it. I think it's called Sundew. And, uh, Never heard of that one. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds pretty interesting. You know, makes a lot of makes a lot of fruit, uh, a lot of fruity flavors. You know, but just so. just IPA, nothing barrel aged or red wine barrel aged. Anything as far as a series goes. In different in terms of a series, well, not barrel aged. Uh, you know, I would I I am gonna think of these like beers we're gonna do with this sundew yeast as. Uh, as a bit of a series, maybe we need to put a series name on those. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, what? Well, I mean, you mentioned obviously the new the new hops. Talk about some other new beers that are on the horizon. And are there any plans for bringing anything that's totally new for you, beer wise, as a brewer? Uh, yeah, like a like a like a style you'd never brewed style before. Style I've mm -hmm. never brewed before. Um, I don't know. That's It'd probably be hard to narrow down. <laughs> well, it's tough. Well, uh, tough to think about. Yeah. Um, but we are going to do a, an American wheat beer with that sundew yeast and uh, and some cool hops we've never used before. Oh, that might be fun. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. really usually get excited over American wheat beers. So, <laughs> but, well, uh, this is know, this the market this really. Like an, I don't know. This is kind of like a wheat-driven pale ale, I would uh, say, more like okay, with a uh, weeded the, pale the ale brew like the brew one hops B R U one brew one. 
not sure what that is. Schoolless. I'm not sure yet either. I haven't <laughs> used them yet. They're they're in the freezer. Ah, okay. We have them. There you go. And what is it? Experimental hop or something? They're they're in a newer, just a newer, a newer hop. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Anyway, so we got some new hops coming. We got some mm-hmm. new sour IPAs coming. Mm-hmm. Any other one-offs and like some other your other styles that you've done before though? Or, uh, uh we are big stuff. We're doing. Uh, I think we're gonna do a nice Kolsch. Um. <laughs> <laughs> See, like everybody's brewing Kolsch these days, it and like I really like popular. a good Kolsch. I will try to do a good job. We have good He's German very hops. Co- critical of that. Um, we have good German hops. Um, you know, we, we we like to do some kind of German style beers, like this. Uh, yeah, like this Czech Pilsner we have on right now. Okay. Um. You know, yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that Czech Pilsner, and speaking of all these beers, it's making me thirsty. So I think it's time to take this little break and get into some of the beers. Let's taste a couple of them, and so maybe we should start out. So you introduce Absolutely. that, uh, introduce that. that Pilsner, and get that uh, growler over here, and we'll all Absolutely. give it a try. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. What we have here is the boho pills and it's a nice uh nice czech pilsner style beer obviously it's brewed right here in charleston and uh, we used size hops um primarily size hops and that's a traditional hop for the czech beers right yes that's right sorry you tell me when uh, we just need a small taste so we can talk about this beer. Uh, maybe Erin wants more. <laughs> she can have mine. I just thought it looks so good in the glass. It it's does a, look no, very nice good. glass. It's, we should, you know. uh, it is a get, pretty. It's a pretty color. Um, yes. Let's uh, cheers. Check this out. Cheers. And, and isn't the? Uh, I mean, a, a, a Czech pills uh, to, to differentiate from like the German uh, Bavarian pills. It tends to have a little more malt character. It does. The hops might be a little more prominent, and especially that Saz hop, which is supposed to be what spicy. You talk about that. Please. Yes, yes. Well, yes, Saz hops are a bit spicy, um, and uh, you know, kind of keeping in the trying to keep his style. Uh, went for about 40, 44 IBUs, um, somewhere around there, is and I and I think that's what it's at. Um, yeah, I've, I've found that saws were, um, very spicy, a little peppery, mm-hmm. uh, a little tangy. Yeah. And I discovered that years and years ago when I was home brewing and I didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> and I was just brewing like a pale ale kind of thing. And, but I'd been to the homebrew store and I'd just been kind of digging through the hops and here were these inexpensive hops <laughs> called saws. <laughs> and I didn't know what they were. And I put them in this pale ale, and it just, you know, it wasn't the right thing. Uh, it was not the right no. way to use them. It was, you know, and it was a, not a great beer. My friends <laughs> suffered through it like they suffered through a lot of my early homebrew, and cheers to them for that. Um, but this is this is the way to use this hop, is in a in a lighter-bodied, but, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You want to taste that malt. 
In this uh, beer, I mean, what type of, talk about the malt that's in this beer. So we used um, Czech four malted Pilsner. Yeah, so you, this is uh, legit. Then. Yeah, yeah, legit. It's from Weyermann, it's Bohemian Pilsner. And, <clears throat> and my understanding is that that is uh, Czech grown Pilsner that is floor malted to this day. Sweet. So It's delicious. It, it is a little peppery and has a bit of a... It, not a, a huge kick, but I guess that's no. Also, I for really lack of better word. But you know, I also really love this yeast. Um, this yeast is it's White Labs Bach yeast, hmm. and so it was more appropriate for the Mybach beer that we did before this. Right, and then we had this nice expensive yeast pitch, and uh, and so we used it for this this um, Czech style Pilsner. Not exactly the right yeast. And I was actually at White Labs last month in Asheville. And if you've never been, it's great because you can go and you can try different beers that are pretty much the same malt bill and hop bill fermented with the, their different yeast strains. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a cool uh, place. they actually had a, a beer brewed with this yeast and they had a beer brewed with a different yeast. And so... Uh, next time might switch it up, um, but this this was the the best yeast for the Maybach, mm-hmm. and it's also a good yeast for a Martzen, and I and I used that for our Martzen. So basically, last year yeah, you, year. you're making it an all-purpose lager yeast. Well, yeah, I mean, and and that, but you that's know, probably true with a lot of small brewers. You buy a batch of yeast, you've got to use it for multiple beers. It economically doesn't make sense not to. I really do try to get at least three pitches out of a out of a, a purchase of a, a yeast pitch mm-hmm. um now often with our ipa we're going a lot more generations than that sure oh yeah i mean once but, you recover the yeast uh, that you well, can reuse it and that's a beer we're brewing all the time yeah. so we can reuse it yeah with these lagers you know it ties up our tanks and we don't have a lot so you know three lagers is about all we're going to have room for anyway okay so any more comments on uh, the Boho Pills while it's here? I think it's fantastic. All yeah. right. Yeah. It's Three kegs so left. So. Very. And one I hope you remake. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is It is on, it's being added to the list of yeah. beers we're, you know, probably not going to try to keep year-round because it is a lager mm-hmm. and it does tie up that tank space. But in our annual kind of lager list. Yeah. Well, as long as you got the time to lager it properly, and I know this one was, um, it, I tell you, it's a beer that I've seen a couple other accounts around, and it's gotten really good comments, uh, you know, among lager drinkers. So, hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, we want to see you come back, and when we come back to this, we're going to have beer number two here, which you brought, and yes. we'll get to that in just a second. All right, we're back, and Ross Williams has another beer. Let's, uh, Ross, introduce, open it up and introduce. Yeah, so uh, Electric Petting Zoo. Uh, I love this label. And Um, what is Electric Petting Zoo? So Electric Petting Zoo is, um, it's a hazy IPA. Uh, Of course, it uses our same same yeast we're using for the loud and, uh, and a lot of other IPAs these days. Is this um, the first time you all have canned this? This is the first time we have canned this beer, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, 
and we we did we did about 20 cases and um you know selling pretty well uh nice color nice color you might want to rouse these cans i you know i did not upturn that can or anything it still has a little haze but um anyway it's got a nice smell uh dry hopped uh, with citra Idaho 7. This is our first time using Idaho 7, too. That's a change for this beer from the first batch we brewed of it. We used yeah, different hops. It's a strong aroma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, very strong. Personally, aroma. I get a lot of grapefruit out of the Idaho 7. Mm-hmm. You know, citra, mm-hmm. we're citra, all familiar for sure, with. Yeah. Um, getting a whole lot of different citrusy things. Yeah. Was yeah, that I, the only thing you changed was the Idaho 7? Yes, Idaho 7 was an addition. Previously, I think it was mostly citra, and then it was like cleaning out the hop freezer. Like, so, <laughs> so it probably had Amarillo, uh, some like Mandarina wow. Bavaria. Um, I, think that, I think that first batch probably got some like mosaic as well. Because, you know, you're just trying to like meet this hop bill sometimes yeah, with so a new beer. Electric Petting Zoo is not a one formula beer it's one that you're the, you've changed and will continue first, to change well i i brewed a single batch of it last year and uh you know we liked the beer we liked the name and we wanted a label and we also wanted to like send it off in one direction so that's where the idaho seven citra combo came in um and and really a big part of that's pat Patrick, um, wanting to try out that Idaho seven. And, you know, we were looking at the list of different hops that are available. And he said, what about this Idaho seven? Uh, and I said, well, yeah, sounds like a great hop. We've just never tried it. So then it's like, what do you do with this? Well, pair it with citra. Probably, you know, a lot of these hops need a buddy. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's true. Or else, or else the beer gets too one-dimensional. Yeah, and um, so that's where that's that's where this came from. Now I noticed on the can, and you introduced it as a hazy IPA, but the beer coming out of this can is not very hazy. What do you tell a customer who buys a hazy IPA from a brewer and then says, "Well, you know." And this isn't the only one I've seen like this. I mean, it's not from you, but I've seen them from many people. Yeah, um, it's it's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and what's what you can maybe get into a little bit about what causes that you think, and and, and well, what so do you do about it? I I left my flashlight in my locker at work, but I but I know that in this can is going to be hop stuff and. Uh, <laughs> He seven. is checking out the can right now with his flashlight. With Aaron's borrowed <laughs> flashlight off her phone. Um, you know, it it's just a it's just a thing that happens to beer when it gets uh, exposed to gravity, you know. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean how you know, sometimes I mean in hazy when, IPAs they're like milky almost. Then other ones are just lightly hazy. Sure. This one certainly has a tiny bit of haze, mm-hmm. but not what I would call hazy. It just looks like a normal unfiltered uh, IPA. IPA. I know. It does, I know. Yeah. This this is the frustrating thing about yeast sometimes. It doesn't always do what you want it to do and and sometimes it's a, it does something a little better than 
you wanted to do it. So, um, you know, when you end up end up getting a beer uh, that that really just wants to ferment out, like you can't tell the yeast to stop. <laughs> You can't um, control yeast? Are you kidding? I mean, you can, I mean, tr- I you all, can try, but you can try, yeast. but not if you want a good clean fermentation. So, you know, I'd rather I'd rather let the beer finish out and do what it wants to do than try to force uh, force a batch that is like wanting to clear up to stay hazy. Yeah. Yeah, they sell a they sell stuff you can add that like keeps it hazy. Well, and, it, and I, I try to not. Some use people anything try, like you know, all kinds of different yeasts because they find some work so much better at, at well, remaining and, and in suspension. This and, yeast typically does that for me, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> not every single time. Not every single time. And you know, we're we're just a small brewery with no lab, right? And no space for a lab, right? <laughs> uh, and no, I mean, you know, maybe if I had uh, had someone really passionate about that yeah they could come in there and help me figure out some some lab related stuff but as it is we're we're just busy making beer i think maybe that just reminds me you know like a lot of small breweries um you don't have all the controls or all the labs that that do all the you know the kind of tests that find out things what would be good advice for a beer consumer should like for instance, should this beer always be kept cold? It should never warm up and be on a hot shelf. I I don't think that's necessary with most beer if it's properly packaged. Um, Even IPA. It, that's pretty st- standard, at least as far as I'm concerned. You keep should, them cold, drink them fast. You you absolutely should make every effort to keep an IPA cold the whole time. And yeah. and our cans are, you know, they they go straight off the canning setup into the cooler. Um, but it's not the end of the world if some IPA gets warm for a day or two. Yeah, no, I hear it for a day or two, but I guess when, once you're on in a store or outside of your control, they're out in a bar even, are they, are, do, you know, are you giving them, um, recommendations when you sell the beer this should be kept cold well, i mean sometimes <laughs> people have it on their labels keep this cold you know I, I guess we're lucky that we're so small yeah that we just don't sell that many cans and have <laughs> to worry about it that much you know True. but but i do try to tell people that it should stay in the fridge yeah um and there there are so many reasons that it should stay in the fridge and there are very few reasons that it should not be in the fridge. And if, the, you know, you just need some more refrigeration space if you don't have room, find somewhere in the walk-in cooler or something. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of small breweries, uh, you know, we have some nice labels. This has a this has a, a matte overlay over the paper label. But a lot of small breweries are using a paper label that doesn't have any kind of protective coating. And yeah. if those cans have been cold or bottles and they warm up, you know, it can start affecting the label. So then that's not going to be good for right. the establishment trying to sell those anyway. Yeah. So they should just keep those cold. There's also a big uh, issue out in the market, uh, and certainly beer geeks love to see either born-on dates or mm-hmm. best-by dates mm-hmm. on the beer. And um, what's your uh, position on that? Oh, yeah. I love it when I see it. Um, <laughs> but you don't do it. We do not do it. <laughs> we do not do it. 
if anyone ever has a question, we know based right. on the the smack pack top thing because we change it we change it up between batches. So on, I have a, like this. No, the topper piece, the the plastic thing that holds the. Okay. So so we can usually tell you. Okay. Is there? How come you don't? You don't? Or you choose? We just Is don't. Just we too just much? haven't gotten a little date coder thing. We could put to it do? on top of the thing. The little machine that prints it on the bottom, though. Well, that's expensive. They're, right. They're right. about ten thousand yeah. for your hand. I understand yeah, why you don't do that. Well, and, and it doesn't justify cost. But people with, take with those uh, things that they used to use in supermarkets, like that put prices on stuff, but yes, they put a date yes. on. And they just whack them, whack them, whack them. Yes. I mean, I yes. Well, that may not make sense for you. I either, should just though. get one of those. <laughs> no, really, really, we should. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> that's no. It's it's a good it's a good idea though, and well, we, we should probably just do. I know there are a lot of a lot of especially beer you know craft beer geeks as charles called us lovingly um that yeah we do check dates especially with ipas because they are you you definitely want to mm-hmm. consume them in a certain amount of time and right. so it is very common to at least for me before i go buy any beer i do look uh, if it's there i check yeah the date. if it's if and it's i have like certainly put things months, back two months mm-hmm. three well, months on ipa I'm, yeah. i might mm-hmm. consider getting the kolsch Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. It's well, that but you know, it's just a cold shit. The date codes also help a bar or a retailer know that they, when they need, and I hope they pay attention to this, when they should push that beer and get mm-hmm. it off the shelf, mm-hmm. put it on promo or something. Because, but if they kind of lose touch with when we bought it, I mean, sure. you know, it's not obvious to them when they look at what's on the shelf. Maybe they let it sit there another six months. And, and I do see no, that you're right. in and our that's, market And that's not good. And oh, that's yeah. not good. More so than not, well, unfortunately. Yeah. If, you know, let me know if you see... <laughs> we <would>. Well, we <laughs> won't know on yours. Suspect but. cans out there. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. I'll just go buy them. All right. <laughs> this is a, a, a very nice very IPA nice. In, in a modern style. You know, it's got a lot of that juiciness to it. Fruit's really strong comes through and then in the aromas great as well aromas as the taste. yes yeah. definitely i agree and, and and it's well go ahead there and you said earlier in the interview that it's it's like flying out out of the keg at the bar that you're selling a lot of this right now that's right yeah that's right so people um, are enjoying it that's and good it, you know a decent number of cans probably one of our faster selling cans of the last year that's good um yeah so that's always a good feeling yeah, yeah, well, it's got the combination, you know. You always look for the balance in these things so that the the malt in this seems to be just about right. You know, it's in certainly a target range that it's got a good taste and a good mouthfeel, mm-hmm. you know, what comes across. So it's not just a one-dimensional beer at all. It's not just a hoppy, you know, Idaho 7 beer or something. It's It's got the whole package. And I think, I think I'm not surprised that the markets responded very favorably. To Electric Petting Zoo. Remind me what is the AB? Ah, 6.8. Yeah, okay. 6.8 ABV. So that's mm-hmm. right in the sort of the center of mm-hmm. uh, basic IPAs. Sure. That's yeah, no, a it's a good beer. Really convenient number for the brew system. It just, you know, <laughs> that, that brew house loves making a 6.8, 6.97% beer. <laughs> it's, you know, it's right where that filter wants to run. Well, perfectly, Ross, so. our glasses are now empty, and I think we have a third beer that we're going to sample today. We do. From we do. Reach it. Okay, we're back uh, here at West Virginia Beer Roads, and we have a new beer from 
Bad Shepherd Beer Company. And Ross, go ahead. Take it away. So, not exactly new beer. It's one our customers... Well, we have a new... I'm sorry. We have a new, new beer for us this for evening. For our tasting. New for our tasting. For us this evening. Yes. Uh, this is the Wolf Cuddles. It's a Baltic Porter. Um, what is a Baltic Porter? What is a Baltic sure. Porter? You know, some people say it's okay to ferment a Baltic Porter with an ale yeast, and some people would disagree nah. with that statement. Uh, we did use the lager yeast for this beer. Thank you. Thank you for um, that. Great label by Jimbo Valentine. You know, ferocious wolf on there. Okay. Just like you want to cuddle. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to cuddle that wolf, um, but whatever. I like the label. Yeah, it's pretty. Good art. You know. And Jimbo who? Valentine. Well, talk uh, quickly. I mean, who's Jimbo Valentine? He's a, he's an artist from Huntington who's, uh, you know, great friends with... Um, with Patrick and Jess, of course. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I know him, of course, as well. And really nice guy and really interesting artist. And he's done other labels for you? or is He this has. The... He did the Loud. He okay. The oh, loud well, that's label. your big seller, yeah. He's, uh, he's... well, and he's, he did, he's done uh, okay. label artwork for Tyler Childers. He's done some... That's wow. cool. You know, yeah. some yeah. highly big stuff. Yeah, stuff stuff anyway. people are familiar with. So let's talk about um, this beer. So yes. the beer. So we canned this several months ago. And uh, the thing I love about using a lager yeast mm. on a dark beer is you're kind of building a beer that's going to have good shelf life, I think. It smells good. You know, it's, it does. It's, it smells delicious. It's going to retain that, that roastiness. You know, a lot of roasty, dark grain. Um chocolatey I get it is there chocolate. is totally oh, chocolate there's, on there's, it is. there's it a, is. a ton there's a there's a whole 55 pound sack of pale chocolate malt in this, oh, oh. That explains in a single the chocolate. batch of this beer so yeah uh so a lot of that you know any any time i'm making a dark beer i want to build it with all these different darker grains like dark crystal pale chocolate um you know maybe even get some uh special b in there the belgian special belgian grain uh all which helps build that dark profile oh yeah and roasted barley you know i like yeah. i like roasted barley because it just gives you this roast and um you know it's it's one dimensional but if you use it with other dark grains and other complex grains and you can't just use a bunch of dark grains and base malt you need something in between too so you have to you have to figure out how to kind of yeah. build that body that's going to last with a long lager yeah. because so that lager yeast is going to be voracious. It's going to attack your body. What are you using to build that body? What types of grain? Oh man! Oh, is that your secret? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, well. Um, I you know I think you I think a big part of uh, of building a complex beer is not just using one single kind of base malt. I'll say that. Okay? Right. There are many kinds of base malt out there, and you don't have to just use one. Ah, a lot of, and And this is a luxury we have as a small brewery, right? Mm -hmm. When you build a larger brewery, you almost have to get a grain silo for your base malt. And then your base sure, malt sure. is the same on every single one of your beers. 
Right. That's what you see at every decent size, even in West Virginia. Mid, we have mid-size a or larger, bunch yeah. of, uh, of what we call small breweries, but they're big enough that they have grain silos. Absolutely. And, and that's great. It's a, that's how you save money on malt. Yeah. Um, but, and that's how you run a sustainable brewery. But I love being small enough that on my, on my grain order, I can have four different traditional base malts. Switch it up. And each one's different. You know, mm-hmm. each one brings something different mm-hmm. to different beers. And and that's, you know, I, I just try to make that effort to distinguish one one brew from another, even when they're in the same style and right. similar ABV well, and everything. Well, let's sum up this beer then, Wolf Cuddles, the Wolf Baltic Cuddles. Porter. Yeah, um, nice lagered, mm-hmm. uh, you know, porter. Roasty, toasty, chocolatey. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and because it's made with a lager yeast, that should make it a lot cleaner. You shouldn't get any of the fruity esters that you would get mm-hmm. from an ale yeast, which is your typical porter yeast. So if, if somebody's looking at a normal porter and comparing this, this should be a little different, uh, quite a different taste profile because of the lager. You're absolutely right. It's, you know, I hesitate to say thin, um, no, but, but I, clean is kind yeah, of the very clean. clean is kind of the word. Um, the you know there is not a lot of contribution from the yeast mm-hmm. in right. the in the final character of this beer, and that's unlike like that pilsner, where the yeast plays a role. Mm-hmm. In this beer, the yeast takes a back seat to. The malt. Oh well, yeah. This is a definitely what hardly you call any, a malt. Hardly beer. any hops mm-hmm. to speak of in here. Right. But I mean, it. You know, it. You need. You need some yeah. hops in there, but you just aren't going to taste them on a beer like this. Mm-mm. No, and actually, I, I'm as I'm drinking this beer, and I'm not a, a root beer uh, float person. And of course, it doesn't make me think of root beer at all. But it makes me think this would be really fantastic over vanilla ice cream. It's oh, like with yeah. the same idea oh, yeah. sure with would. a root beer float. It would be delicious because you mm-hmm. get that chocolate and that dark flavor profile it would be very good <laughs> absolutely absolutely send us pictures of your wolf cuddles floats <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i assume this is a beer that you will continue to make absolutely it's yeah. you know it's popular anytime we make it uh anytime we can mm-hmm. squeeze in the another time. lager mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh that you know someday <clears throat> we may have to slow down on that uh, but it's serious. but it's great in cans you know it, it's uh, I never I never thought of an 8% dark beer would sell in cans but it remains popular well before we get out of here today I want to know how Ross Williams would describe his overall brewing philosophy how do you keep it exciting and challenging for you personally Brewing philosophy. Uh, not sure I've had to put that into words, but <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of a broad question. But you, you know, keep trying new things. Um, a, a recipe doesn't have to be a static thing until it's where you want it to be, and then you need to work on keeping it consistent. Uh, but like this electric petting zoo, you know, there's nothing wrong with changing something when you think you're changing it for the better. Right. So, so you know, that's the goal. Just 
try to keep making a better product going down the line. While sticking with your, your basic concept, but tweaking it along the way. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, so <laughs> I think that's what every brewer does every time they, every time they brew. You know, you're trying to, you're trying to think about what was good about the last time and what you wish had gone better. So, um, you know, you always want to keep, keep it fresh, you know, keep it moving uh, forward, right? Well, I know earlier you mentioned that, you know, I'm always brewing the loud, I'm brewing the loud, and I'm, I'm obviously one of the consumers that really mu- enjoys that very much. And Actually, so it, if Aaron didn't drink loud, you might have a real decline <laughs> in sales, I hear. Yeah, that's, it's, um, it, I've, I pretty much marked the kegs. It's like, <laughs> this one's for Aaron. <laughs> Uh, all right, all right. In all seriousness, no. In, or in all no, seriousness, not quite, but, no. Uh, it, I, you know, it's not like I, I try to change our flagship IPA. No, no, of course but not. But sometimes you have, um, uh, sometimes you have something that you want to change a right. little bit, and uh, and we did change our yeast, um, about a, about a year and a half ago. And uh, and and we like the new yeast. Mm-hmm. We're into it. Um, what, you know. what I was actually getting kind of more at is, as far as beer goes, do you feel like that sort of limits you? Because you know, obviously, everyone wants the loud, and that's got to be a huge seller, big account for you. Does that sort of limit you because you're, you know, having to produce tons of loud, so you can't really vary or, or do maybe something like a bit different that you might be wanting to do or have in your calendar you'd like to try and then it just doesn't happen because oh, here comes gosh. the loud. Yeah, I mean, it, well, well, yeah, here comes the loud. Um, you know, something I do want to get back to and uh, and we and we will do it is a Saison series. Mm. Hey, and, we uh, asked about series earlier. Right? That'd be great. But, yeah. But that's just, you know, that's something we were, we were looking at our different brews for this year and just, you know, didn't want to start in on a, a Saison series because... Like I said, you know, you're buying nice yeast, you want to do three or right. four different batches, mm-hmm. and that just was not going to fit in. So, so yeah, once in a while, there's something I, I do really want to do, um, but we will do it, you know. So, it's not like it's not like holding it back, and maybe it is delaying a little bit. Maybe you're right, but at the same time, I do like brewing loud because I can go into the brewery and... It's not like autopilot, but it's, it's like similar. I'm sure it's like yeah. approaching an old friend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you get to do this mm-hmm. thing you've done many times before, mm-hmm. and it's and that's the kind of like meditative aspect of of brewing that is so wonderful. Getting you know, in your zone, so to speak, is doing the thing you've done many times before and being consistent with it or trying to. Well, I think this is a wrap. Ross, thank you so much for joining us again a year and a half later, as we said earlier in the program, on West Virginia Beer Roads. It's been wonderful hearing about all of the information and all of your thoughts we'll regarding beer and everything else. We'll do it again. 18 months. I'm putting it in my calendar. <laughs> uh, no, hopefully not that long. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, folks, if you haven't been down to Bad Shepherd Beer Company recently in Charleston, you got to get down there and try Ross's beer. It continues to, to get better and better. He, you hear him. He's tweaking these recipes. And typically, they are coming out very, very strong. Uh, 
Also, look for his beers at retailers and other bars in the Charleston Huntington market, especially. And I know uh, anywhere from Morgantown to Bluefield, I guess, you, know, you <laughs> might find a, a few of his beers out here in the market. So uh, definitely take a look and look for those beers. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think about Bad Shepherd, too, and, and Ross's beers. And so if you have time, make a comment on BrilliantStream.com or maybe on our YouTube channel. Uh, definitely let us know what you think. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.